After two decades as an acclaimed dancer and longtime star of the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, Jamar Roberts is one of today's most sought-after choreographers. The Bessie Award winner has created commissions for the Ailey Company, New York City Ballet, San Francisco Ballet, and the Juilliard School, just to name a few. Jamar credits his early beginnings in dance with strengthening his confidence. It's not about the technical feats and it's not about the tricks, but it's really about self-expression and using that to empower yourself. As a young, sort of introverted and quiet kid, getting that type of information, I think it's just really affirming and really empowering. You're listening to Moving Moments, the podcast that explores the dance world's most accomplished and groundbreaking artists. I'm your host, Alicia Graf Mack, Dean and Director of Dance at the Juilliard School. During each episode, you'll hear me talk with some of my closest friends and most trusted colleagues as we sit down to hear about their creative process and how they are changing the dance world on and off the stage. When I decided to take a big leap of faith and return to dance after a four-year hiatus, you were there. I was there. I remember walking into my first rehearsal with Complexions at City Center. I walked up to the first floor studio, nice and early. I was always early. And I looked into the studios and thought, I must have arrived to the wrong place <laughs> because I looked in and I saw you in basketball shorts and sneakers, all of your 6'3", 6'4", self. And I thought, oh, the NBA must be shooting <laughs> a commercial in here today. I, I made it to the wrong place. And we finally obviously met. And most of my dance life has been colored by you in so many ways. So I thank you. Thank you. That's sweet. Obviously, we were partners through much of our time, all of my time at Ailey. (laughs) You have literally carried me through (laughs) my dance career. (laughs) And now you've been there for me and my students. And I appreciate that, too. Yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure. So before we jump into learn about your moving moments and the creative process that it took to create those moments, I'd love to just take a step back and ask you about how you were called to dance. I'm originally from Miami, Florida. My mother is Lorraine Roberts and my father is Willie Davis. And I think that a lot of my ifs in terms of dance and art and movement, I think it definitely came from my father. He was a man of many things. You know, he could make you an entire house if he wanted to. He could fix a car. He had a dance group, him and his friends, they would go to the club when they were teenagers and he would design their jackets that they would dance like in the club and so I owe all of my all of it came from him how did you know that you wanted to dance what made you want to move in the first place I think it may have been for me inheriting it from my family I think it may have been music I remember being very responsive to it all the time from church I was obsessed with going to church when I was a kid all the way up until I think I must have been like 15 or 16 when I just got too busy with dance to go, but I was sort of obsessed with the the music and just the sound and the community and the uh, 
the pageantry, you know, my grandmother would wake up really early and get her outfits together. And she had like the hats and she had the shoes and everything mm -hmm. was like matching. And I just love this kind of getting ready to go and receive. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then there was all of this music there. So I think it kind of stemmed from that, definitely. As I got a little bit older, like in middle school, a lot of the music that I was listening to on the radio or with friends going to a dance studio or just seeing other dancers dance before I started formal training, you would hear them dancing to these songs. Mm. And that was like a really big draw for me. And I just made sure that I, I, I got in there because I, I was doing an art major in middle school before I started dance. And I saw this one dance performance and I was like, I have got to do this. So I like switched my major immediately uh. and been dancing ever since. And at that time, did you know dance was a path, a profession? Was it something that you were familiar with? Um, no, I just learned about it as I went along. I did not know that it was a profession. I knew of ballet. I know that that was the thing that was like always in the forefront of my mind when I thought about what dance was. Mm -hmm. You know, Tides, Tutus, The Nutcracker, this whole thing. But I didn't know the the sort of like the breadth of dance, like how expansive it could be. And if I could ever have a place in it, I wasn't really concerned with that. I was just sort of concerned with getting in there and getting in a class or, like, <laughs> you know, being friends with somebody that can like show me some moves. So mm -hmm. I was very in the moment. I never really projected very far into the future if I wanted to be a dancer. That didn't really happen until I was actually dancing professionally, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And your family, I know you have two brothers. Yeah. Were they into the arts? What does your family think about your want to dance? Yeah. Both of my brothers were sports players. My oldest brother did basketball and football well into college. My youngest brother played basketball. Uh, my oldest brother drew a lot, so he had like a type of sensitivity to art. But I was the only one that had the true like heart and spirit of a dancer. <laughs> and so for my family it was it was very it was very foreign. I think they always knew that I was different, but they didn't know where that difference came from or what it would lead to. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mostly just took it upon myself to get myself moving and get myself in class. It was actually very little support. And I think that was mostly because I was just sort of shy and didn't want to tell them like, hey, there's this thing that I love because I didn't want to risk them turning me away from it. Mm -hmm. So I just did it as much as I could until they found out. And when they did, by that time, I was already, like, good and In <laughs> well into the sauce. So they couldn't really uh, tear me away from it. I read that you attended an arts magnet middle school. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is where you switched your major mm -hmm. or interest into mm -hmm. dance. But there is a fabled VHS tape. <sighs> yeah. In middle school, my, my dance teacher had a VHS dance video library where the students could check out these videos, take them home, and bring them back to her when they were done. Where I lived, we just didn't get a lot of opportunities to see dance at all. And a lot of them were uh, ballet videos. And the ones that I became obsessed with was a series called The Balanchine Celebration. It was a, I don't know, it may have been like six VHS tapes, but I was sort of obsessed with like two of them. Theme and Variation was on there. Uh, Agon was there, but they were everything to me. Like those videotapes and the Ailey videotapes uh. were, I could dance those pieces like right now, right here. I think that was sort of like the first vision of what I 
felt like I wanted to dance like. Mm. Like the sort of freedom and silkiness of Wendy Whalen, the the passion of the Ailey dancers. I was watching these tapes, but I still didn't consider that I could be professional. I just right. wanted to do it just for the sake of being good, mm. <laughs> you know, being as good as the people in the videos. There's a woman named Angel Fraser mm. Logan who is quite literally, in some yeah. ways, your guardian angel through your early years. Yeah. What does Angel mean to you, and how did she influence your life's path? Oh, my gosh. Angel, she's forever a friend and a mother and a mentor and just someone that was always there to show me the reality of things. Mm. She would show me, like, this is beautiful and this is great. But if you really want to do this, this is the reality of the situation. And so I think that's what I love about her most. She always keeps it real. And how did she find you? Or how did you find each other? I oh, say. she found me. Oh, my gosh. I was in some dance class in middle school. And she had just opened her dance studio called the Dance Empire of Miami. And she was going around teaching at different schools, just letting kids know that there's a new studio available, introducing herself. And she was also recruiting kids that were interested in going. And she came up to me and she said, I think you're talented. You should come to my school. And I was like, that's great, but I have no money and no way of getting there. And she was like, that's fine. I'll pay for your classes and I'll pick you up. And that's all she needed to say okay. <laughs> for, me to like, for me to be there. She's tough, but she's full of love. And she always instilled in me the real spirit of dance, like the true essence of it, you know, that it's not about the technical feats and it's not about the tricks but it's really about self-expression and using that to empower yourself mm -hmm. as a young sort of introverted and quiet kid getting that type of information i think it's just really affirming and really empowering so i thank her for that mm -hmm. And I know that you then went on to attend the New World School, which is a conservatory. It's sort of modeled actually after the Juilliard mm -hmm. curriculum mm -hmm. where uh, equal emphasis is placed on ballet and modern dance and dance creation and creativity and mm -hmm. collaboration across various disciplines of the arts. Mm -hmm. What is something that you took from your high school experience that you may still hold on to? There were two things. Uh, the first thing was to work hard. I was really talented and really tall and really kind. And so I always got everything, you know, handed to me very easily. But it wasn't until I went to New World that one of the ballet teachers was just not having it. <laughs> it was just kind of like, you're good, but you're not that good, essentially. And you're just going to have to work harder. And that was the first time anybody had ever told me that in that tone with that type of seriousness. And I took it very seriously. And I worked really hard. And I think that I've been doing that <laughs> ever since ever since high school. And the other thing is Peter London. Peter London was one of my dance teachers a long while back. But every pearl of wisdom that ever came out of this man's mouth, I still hear it now till this day. He's also a really good mentor of mine and we still talk on the phone and he is an endless well of <laughs> artistic and cultural information mm -hmm. that is so specific to me as a black man in this industry. I just find that everything that he says is, is just so 
on point. He's been to where I am and, and probably more. Yeah. And he's worked with Martha Graham herself. So those two things definitely from high school, they were major, major takeaways. And from your early training years before mm-hmm. you came to New York and mm-hmm. started your career with Ailey, what barriers did you find? You know, as a young kid, it's like I wanted to practice at home, but I have all my brothers there, and then like my grandma's there, and we're living in this small place. So it's just kind of like, where do I do it? Yeah. I don't know. Let me just try these fortes in the bathroom. You know, this kind of, <laughs> <laughs> this kind of thing. Or hearing the Nutcracker music and not being able to afford it, you know. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to get this music? I can figure out a way to record it from someone else's TV or something mm-hmm. like that. Eventually, you found your way to Ailey. You started with Ailey too. quickly moved on to the company just mm-hmm. a year later. What did that mean to you? And what discoveries did you make in those first few years? <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because... Uh... It was so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this was the beginning of learning how to be an artist, you Mm -hmm. know, things like pacing yourself through pieces. I grew up doing a lot of competitions, and so that's just wham, bam, hit it with all of your might for like two and a half, three minutes. Right. You know, then when you go into ALE2 and you're doing pieces that are 20, 30 minutes long, it's not sustainable. So learning things like that, certain artistic decisions, how to handle yourself professionally when uh, speaking to other people, uh, whether they be your co-workers or interviews and things like this. It was sort of like the beginning of this type of self-curation, artistic mm-hmm. development. Mm-hmm. I like I that think. word, self-curation. It's a thing. It is a thing. And it's something that we don't often talk about. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we're working with young dancers, we talk a lot about making choices or what is the technical aspect versus the artistic aspect, Mm -hmm. and then expecting that a person knows what that means and even how to not differentiate but marry those ideas. It's, It's putting your best foot forward, essentially. You say, what are the best qualities that I have to offer? How can I shine and bring those to the forefront in a very polished and presentable way every Mm -hmm. time, whether that be dance or whether that be in speaking to somebody, I think it's definitely a type of like curation. Mm -hmm. Maybe those things may fall away later, but for me, that's sort of when when that all started. Mm -hmm. Dancers tend to find Ailey in certain ways. It's often something revelatory for black dancers to see themselves on the stage in the image of those dancers. Mm-hmm. Did you have those sort of feelings or moments uh, before joining the company? Oh, that's a really complicated one for me, <clears throat> to be honest. There's yes and no. I'm going to, I'll tackle the yes first, just because <laughs> I remember Angel taking me to some of those Ailey performances and being like on the verge of tears watching Sinner Man. But I think that was mostly... I don't know, I think that was wrapped in so many things, just being in a theater and and hearing the music and, of course, seeing the bodies and the the energy that they give. But in terms of, like, identity, for me, it it felt very typical. Like, I grew up in the hood. Like, dudes were always, black guys are always dancing outside. You know what I mean? So for me, it wasn't, like, that much of a stretch (laughs) in terms of identity. But it took me a while 
once I got in there and I wasn't seeing the company at a distance and I was sort of like immersed in it and then learning about Alvin and his path and how the company became to be at all, that's when things started to really change for me in terms of identity. It was always interesting for me to observe you Mm -hmm. in the daily grind, Mm -hmm. if you will, of things. And I guess part of the artistic curation or self-curation, witnessing you doing that in real time, Mm -hmm. taking daily classes, learning choreography, and then really interpreting the work. And what I always took so much from you was how you interpreted the work. And I think that's also what made you so attractive to choreographers who Mm -hmm. would walk into the space because they would give ideas and then you would really give them feedback, which I thought was really remarkable and probably are some of the seeds of your work as a choreographer Mm -hmm. before you really started to, to create on the company. Yeah. I don't know. I've always, I've always seen my facility as very limited. So I've always felt like I've had to approach dance very differently than most people. Uh, Given my size and like muscle mass and like flexibility or lack of flexibility, you know, I've always had to sort of um, rig it, to be honest. (laughs) So I think like what you're witnessing was the rigging of things until... I kind of like figure out a way to give the choreographer exactly what they want, but Mm -hmm. in the way that, not the way that I want to do it, but the way that I can only physically (laughs) make it work. Mm -hmm. Really, uh, that's really cool. (laughs) It's really cool to like hear the the fly on the wall. (laughs) To be honest, in my own artistic development, Mm -hmm. you gave me a lot of permission to make decisions. Also, because of your physicality, and your, your power in dance, it mm-hmm. made me turn up mm-hmm. as well. Because mm-hmm. being your partner, many times you're <laughs> dancing next to you, I was like, oh, nobody's going to see me do anything <laughs> if I'm dancing next to him. So I had to match your energy, yeah. which I think really <clears throat> improved my work as a dancer, mm-hmm. too, and my enjoyment, really, of, of the work on stage. Yeah. It's always amazing to see your body in motion. Mm-hmm. Because someone of your size and stature, you just wouldn't expect to move so quickly. And you have this, like, quick twitch. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you can move as fast as someone who's 5'5", easily, or faster. Yeah. (laughs) Where does that come from? I don't know. I do know that, like, music, and the way that I hear it, and the way that I interpret it, and the way that I kind of play with it, I think it does this push-pull thing with me. And time Mm. the amount of time you have to stretch a movement out versus shrink a movement it seems like my mind is able to do that sort of calculation like instantaneously Mm -hmm. um and we all kind of do it but i guess my reaction time is just really is just really quick very quick (laughs) your brain and your body can work together like a machine like a computer yeah yeah it's fun, though. And I also lo- I, I love the feeling, like, sometimes I tell dancers to make wind with their bodies, and I, like, love the feeling of moving. It's one of the things that I have the most gratitude for in life. It's, like, having an able body and one that is trained in this way where you can request, you know, upon request, you can ask it to do something and it does it for you. To me, I think it's so cool, and I'm always so grateful for it. And even now... As I'm older, 
and able to do less, I can still manage to have that same relationship with my body. And mm. I, I kind of love that. So I've asked every person who has interviewed for this podcast to describe that magic moment or high that you feel when you're dancing or performing. Has anyone ever said possession? No. <laughs> I, think, I think it feels a little bit like possession. It's like a, a reverse possession. It's not like something is left my body and is now taking its place. Mm. It's like whatever my body was before I stepped on stage, whatever was in there has left and the real me has jumped into my body. Kind of like the Beyonce, Sasha Fierce thing, if you will. <laughs> it, it feels a little bit like that because once you have all your steps together and you have everything that you need to perform the work, you just kind of like trust. There can be moments that kind of like knock you out of that space, depending on if you're on your leg or not, or it could be another person. But for the most part, it really feels like, it really feels like possession. And I love that feeling. <laughs> I, love, I love that sort of intense feeling of being like overwhelmed energetically, this sort of like, this cipher, this like hurricane. You feel like a little bit invincible. You kind of feel like you can tackle anything. And I, I've had that even on my most insecure days going on stage. The insecurity falls away and then this other thing comes into play. Mm. And so for me, it's rare that I've ever went on stage, performed and left and felt like incredibly bad. Even mm. if I've fallen, I still had that feeling. Do you know mm. what I mean? And I've, I've always been like grateful for it. So no meaningful, successful career exists without the peaks and the valleys. Mm -hmm. And you've stepped away from full-time professional dancing twice during your time mm -hmm. at Ailey. What happened and what brought you back or what were you experiencing? Yeah. The first time, I think I was in the Ailey company for two years. And I got it when I was 18 years old. And um, like I said, I grew up as a visual artist mainly before I found dance. And I think I was plagued with the desire to go and know what the other parts of me wanted to do, like go and do visual art, go and do fashion design. And growing up in this sort of strict company setting where you're rehearsing all day, you're performing all day, you don't really have time to explore the other facets of yourself because right. you have to give everything to this one thing. And that's, for me, that's the only way to do it. You can't, it's really hard to do it halfway. Yeah. So that was the first time and I was really young and we're in my office at Juilliard, and I have this <laughs> drawing that yeah. Jamar made of me. I think you were over at my apartment. Mm -hmm. We were watching TV, just relaxing. That's wild. I can't believe you still have that. Oh, I just love <laughs> this because, first of all, it is so you <laughs> in the sense that it has all these curves and lines. I'm not in your brain, but... It seems like this is how you make sense of <laughs> dance in the world uh -huh. in some way. But I just remember I had a, a set of paints and you started painting this. Yeah. And then you were like, I remember. that's the first time I've ever used paint. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> this thing is a masterpiece. How is that possible? But you are always drawing. I'm yeah. sure you are still now. Yeah. Anytime we were traveling with Ailey, anytime off, yeah. you are always doodling, creating these incredible works. You're always reading, reading poetry. Yeah. You have quite a mind for all things 
artistic and poetic? I consume a lot of things that interest me. Now that I make work, it benefits me a lot. It's like if I know that I have to make a piece, let's say a year from now, and I want to prepare for that piece, I just start to consume anything that I think may be associated with what I want that work to be. From movies to poetries to photographs to remembering a conversation I had with somebody to the color of the dog's hair that I saw on the street, like everything goes into the pot. And then I just kind of work my way. Um, but yeah, I, um, that's what I do. I'm a, I'm a consumer. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you started developing your choreographic voice, were you really aware of what you were doing? No, I was not aware. Angel um, was very into choreography. And she'd like get us all in the room and she just would come up with a story and just make steps to it. And she never discouraged us from doing it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when she saw that I was doing it, she just encouraged me to do it. And sometimes she would have a solo to make for a kid and she just was too busy to do it and she would just hand it off on me. At one point she started handing all of her <laughs> pieces off to me and sometimes they were half finished and I would just be like, this isn't mine. Like, I don't know what to do with this. I was really concerned with cool steps, I think, when I was younger. And so if this video had a cool step in it and that video had a cool step, then you just basically make these movement phrases that are like... Cool steps. Cool, oh. cool steps. <laughs> From count one yeah. to count eight. Which is like really exhausting. And I'm sure also embodying masterworks like Alvin Ailey's Revelations yeah. and then performing works by... Ronald K. Brown and mm -hmm. uh, Azure Barton and Yuri Killian and Wayne yeah. McGregor and Ulysses Dove, mm -hmm. you then understand in an embodied, researched way, yeah. craft. Yeah, especially, yeah, craft, like how they put those pieces together. And man, I copied so many pieces when I was a kid. All of the pieces I ever watched in VHS, I think I copied them all, but I saw it as a type of mentorship. Some of these people weren't alive, but you know, you can still be a mentor to the work that they left behind. You seem to have a very close relationship with jazz music. And I wonder where that love of jazz came from and how you came to actually develop the ear to interpret very complex music. Um, where did it come from? It came from being at Ailey. As you know, Ailey made tons of pieces to jazz music and just asking myself why like why did he do this or if i'm dancing this piece and someone's telling me to like dig into this step or you hear that horn and me just being like why and so i just went and did my own research and i figured out why <laughs> and what i found was it just resonated with me so deeply. I've always felt like I didn't like have like a tribe or, or, or anybody that I can really relate to in a deep way when it comes to art. But when I start to read about Coltrane and Nina Simone and Miles Davis and Sun Ra and all these people, it just kind of blew my mind because I was like, oh my gosh, these are my friends. <laughs> like for the first time, I felt like I was hearing things from people that sort of thought in the same way that I think. And then you learn that jazz is, in essence, it's black music and that it's American music. And I felt like if I wanted to put work out into this world, I wanted to be as authentic as I possibly can. And that music feels authentic to me. 
how am I able to interpret that sound? I think I listen to a lot of it. I love jazz because you it can be so simple and it can be so quiet, but it can be also be so fierce. It runs the gamut, I think, of all human emotion. Most of the time I'm using a person's work, I've researched their work before. I've researched the album, where the album was made, why it was made, who was in the band, and what that person was doing. So I kind of know how that person plays based on other things mm-hmm. that they play, or I know what their life is. If I hear that there's Elvin Jones on the drums, I'm not going to go slowly chasseing out because <laughs> Elvin Jones plays like a thunderstorm. He's like one of the best jazz drummers ever. It's more instinctual than it is, I think, actual knowledge. I'm no musician, but I do know that my relationship to sound is very innate. It's very, like, keen. Yeah. I see that in your work, and I I think that's also what makes your work so visceral to experience, not as a dancer, actually, as an audience member, to watch, because it feels like you're ingesting the the music as you watch the movement. I love that. I really appreciate (laughs) it. Jamar, when you think about your life in dance or maybe as a series of moving moments, mm-hmm. are you pleased? I am. I never thought that I would be where I am in a million years. I feel like I have a lot of work to do still. The highs that you felt when you were performing, mm-hmm. have you found that as a choreographer or in a, a different sort of role or space? Absolutely not. No, no, no. Nothing does what dance does. <laughs> you can make all the dances you want until you're like in the grave. But like the feeling of dance itself, it is its own singular feeling. Love to choreograph, love it. But I, I honestly think it gives you very little back. I mean, for me, when I see a dancer go on stage and take the work that I've given them and they really make it their own, well, I no longer see myself. I no longer see my step. I just see this dancer just like... In their moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That for me is... Our, those are really, really happy times. And I think it's tricky for the dancer because dancers are always want to do well for the choreographer, you know. But I'm always like, no, do it for yourself. Like, I've only given you this information so that you can take it and give birth to something new. Jamar, my friend, you're a genius, are <laughs> such a, a gift to our field and our world. And I thank you for sitting here with me today. Thank you. I love this. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Moving Moments. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends about it. Spread the word. Be sure to follow the show, rate us, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. To keep up with future episodes, follow us on Instagram at Moving Moments Podcast and visit us at artfulnarrativesmedia.com. Tune in next week as we hear another inspiring artist's moving moments. <laughs>